0: Welcome to the Queensland Huddles Mad Monday. The wrap-up show, it's all over. Season 2023 is in the books. Brett Thomas, good afternoon.
1: Good afternoon, finers. Not the weekend we were hoping for, both for the Lions and the Broncos, but I think the Lions can hold their heads high because they threw everything everything at the Magpies who always just seemed to find an answer. and Won a very close game, you know, a bounce of the ball or a call here or there. We could be talking about a very different result.
0: Let's talk about the elephant in the room. Right, the, the final, the grand final, if you missed it, I don't know where you've been for the last however many rounds plus finals. Lions lose the grand final by four points. Collingwood are now the premiers, 90 plays, 86. It's the first time, Brett, since 1966 that the losing team has kicked more goals than the winning team in an AFL grand final. 13 goals to 12. But the elephant in the room is the advantage call. The For those that haven't analysed it, and worn out the tape as I have over ever since Saturday's grand final. Lockie Neal is tripped in the within with less than a minute to go. Lockie Neal is tripped. The umpire awards a free kick, but he doesn't blow the whistle until Zach Bailey all but has the ball on his boot. Lockie, as Lockie Neal is tripped, he releases the ball to Zach Bailey, who kicks over his head and lands it in the Collingwood defenders' arms. Now, if there is no advantage there. The, the umpire rules advantage says ba- Zach Bailey takes the kick. The advantage rule stipulates that the team must gain an advantage from playing on. Zach Bailey is not in a position to gain advantage from that call.
1: And there's no way, as as Hugh McCluggage said, that he he probably even heard the whistle go. And it happened so quickly that, as you said, it's not like, you know, those breaks in play where a free, free kick is played. Someone picks up the loose ball, looks behind them, and then decides to take the advantage. It was all kind of you know, in the one motion almost. So, look, it may not have decided the game. This wasn't a blatant push in the back or chop over the shoulder that resulted in a shot on goal. But what it did deny the Lions is one push forward. And that's what I wanted to see, or what I think everyone wanted to see, was just that one last desperate bid. Could they get a a score? Or could they get a shot on goal to potentially win the game? So, look, there was that call. There was also the Jared Berry 50... um, I think you know, the 50 was probably there in the home and away season, pretty tight in the grand final. The advantage call was wrong, but it's um, tough to say that would have made the difference in the game.
0: So, and I know this is the Queensland huddle and we like to lean the way of Queensland teams on all things, but the reality is that call will be forgotten I think this team – and there's no way that uh, – there's no guarantee that if they don't take the advantage and, Lo- and Lockie Neal takes a free kick that he finds a target. And there's no guarantee that um, uh, you know Collingwood were flooding at that point anyway. So there's no guarantee that if they don't t- take the advantage, Lockie Neal finds a target. And there's no guarantee that that target goes back and kicks the goal. There's too many ifs for people to claim that the Lions were robbed, I think. Um, and ultimately, if you watch that game back again uh, – I say this with a with a pain in in my heart. Collingwood were the better side. Collingwood were the better side in that grand final.
1: Yeah, look, I think um, the Lions' biggest lead was 13 points. The Pies, it was two goals. So no one had a decisive lead, but it did, you're right, just feel like the Magpies were kind of on top and it was up to the Lions to kind of rest the momentum back. There were different times of the game where you thought the the Lions were about to blow them away. You know, Bailey's goals... Uh, McCarthy, Charlie Cameron in the last quarter, but Collingwood always had the reply, and I think it was those crucial goals, those momentum killers on the quarter time and halftime sirens, that just gave them that confidence going into those breaks. And talking mm. about the pies, so um, look I, again, I I think that you know it's not like it's different to the Broncos where they had a the equivalent of a six or seven goal lead and shat the bed. Um, I I don't think it will be as scarring as that. It's obviously really disappointing to get so close. And also I think not even compared to the Swans the year before who were blown off the park. So but look, yeah, um in a game of fine margins, I reckon the other one was the de Goey answer straight after the late Cameron yeah. goal. Mm-hmm. Um where, you know, their midfield will be looking at how they were able to let Dakos and Goey get free out of that stoppage and respond immediately. That's an area that they can address. The advantage call they can't.
0: Gee. <clears throat> To look at the game more broadly, I did think in that first quarter my prediction from last week looked spot on. Zach Bailey for the Norm Smith, two of the most unbelievable first quarter goals uh, you've ever seen, and I thought here he is the Z man. But unfortunately, that was that was where his impact on the game really ended. Uh, I I I think some I think Kitty Coleman, like I think some reputations were enhanced by the grand final on the line side of the equation. I think Kitty Coleman showed that uh, the. He is an elite player who can be trusted to to with the footy in hand in any situation, almost any situation. I think his reputation was hard. I thought humor Cluggage showed that he is um, one of the game's best midfielders. Um, I think Dunkley fought well. I thought Ryan Lester had a really good game down back. Yeah. I, I just I can't help but wonder what the balance of the back line looks like if Jack Payne's fit. I didn't think Darcy. Gardner had a bad game but he certainly didn't have the same level of game that he had in the prelim against Carlton um, and you know I guess from a, a coaching perspective you just you question why it took so long to make the Stasovic move on to Bobby Hill
1: Yeah it's a really good point and I feel for Stas and Ryan Lester on that that Bobby Hill matchup especially when Stasovic lost the ball in the sun and then Hill takes that screamer over him I yeah. You I know, Look, the, the Jack Payne call was obviously a really um, you know tight call to make and Chris Fagan's explanation was he didn't think that Jack Payne would be match fit because he wouldn't have played for about a month or whatever it was. But I do think that he's probably you know a, a better chance of marking, of intercepting the ball than Darcy Gardner would have been. Billy Frampton obviously didn't do a lot. Only had the two touches. Harris Andrews, though, probably couldn't affect his intercept game. Um, yeah, look, there, there weren't too many really bad performers. I don't think... You know, Eric Kipwood didn't do a lot. Archie obviously had minimal impact, apart from setting up a Charlie Cameron goal, was then subbed off. Um, Jasper Fletcher, but then, you know, he kicked three in that qualifying final. Um, so I think he it you know, would have been a tough call to, to drop him. And so I, I think that, you know, even from a coaching perspective, there's not a lot that you could say that Chris Fagan did wrong. Certainly no absolute howlers.
0: You know, I think, you know, and Fag's actually made this point, I think in his post-match press conference, you you want you ask the question: What if Will Ashcroft had been out there? Just you know, yeah. what what if that young man who showed that was not just a passenger, um, because it was a highly ta- uh, highly picked up, you know, highly talented draft pick. Sorry, is what I'm trying to say. But is it was a gun who could create a bit Dacos like for the Brisbane Lions, and if some butts were candy and nuts, we'd all have a merry Christmas. The reality is they got done by four points and. Now they go back to the drawing board over the off-season. Um, I think we've talked about it all year, Brett, that this was the stage the Lions needed to get to as, as a minimum yep. for the season to get a pass mark, uh, and, and they did. So, you know, Fags can kind of tick the box now. What do they need to do? Where are they lacking? Where is the list at? What, what are your thoughts as the Lions head into this off-season period?
1: Well, apparently Tom Duday, the Crows defender, who's more of a third-tall defender, not a key defender, but he wants to come to the Lions as a free agent. He is coming off a knee reconstruction. He'd probably then be taking the spot of Ryan Lester, or at least competing with Ryan Lester and, and Darcy Garner. Darcy Gardner's only 28. They actually have very few guys, you know, over 30. Um, Dane Zorka remains unsigned. He, he'll be a really interesting watch and be interesting to get your thoughts on that. I reckon they'll tell Dane... Look, you can play on, but if your form drops, you saw what happened with Daniel Rich and Jack Gunston, you're not guaranteed of playing every mm. week. You might get back to the BFL. If you're happy with that, play on. I'm not sure how he would take it, and he'll be 35 at the start of next season. Do you think there's still a spot there for Dane Zorko?
0: I think you, you I think you put it in front. Look, I think Dane's probably realistic about the sort of contract he'll be offered. He he knows it'll only be a one-year deal. Uh, I would I would say the... If I'm the Lions, I'm putting a contract in front of him that's monetarily not going to hurt us to offer him, if this makes sense. Like, you know, if mm. in, from a budget, a football salary cap perspective, I'm going, right, what's the most we can offer Dane Zorko that if his form falls off a cliff because father time is undefeated, that it's not going to, you know, affect us retaining one of these young kids coming through. Find that number, put that in front of Dane, and let him make the decision because I think, from an attitude and professionalism perspective, I think you've got to have him there. I think he's the sort of bloke that could drive the 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 chip on the shoulder mentality. Could drive. Could almost almost act as a living embodiment of. Hey, remember what happened in last year's grand final? Because you can only play for on emotion for so long, but it's also. This is a, there's a lot of kids on this team. I think it would be, you can never have enough experience, uh, and, and maturity. And I think Dane can bring that from a, not necessarily even if he on a game day perspective, but from a week to week perspective. So I would love to look, he he turns 35 in February. So, he, you know, from in AFL years, he's, he's a grandfather next year. If he does go around, I want to see him there. I don't, I would hate to think it's the Lions, the club that tells him you're done, I'd like mm. Dane to come to that conclusion himself at the end of next year if that if that's when it is if he does get to go around again but I do understand football's a business and I think if the club can find that number from a contract perspective that doesn't hurt them or stop them stop them from re-signing and retaining some of this young talent then yeah I think Dane should be there next year.
1: We uh, we might get some answers at the club champion um, awards Mm, on tomorrow night, night? uh, Wednesday night. Mm -hmm. So um, other than that, it's Dev Robertson, you know, some interest there from West Coast. The talk is he might look at a short-term deal with the Lions, one or two years, see how that plays out. Um, He's still obviously very young. There's some scope there. I don't think he's going to be given the keys to the midfield if he stays. He played 16 games this year, but Will Ashcroft will still be out for, you know, the best part of the first half of next season. So I still think that there's a, a role there for him. Other than that, yeah, you know, I think it really is just about keeping this group together. Hugh McCluggage and I think maybe Rainer and Berry, or at least McCluggage definitely, is a pre-agent in that he's got a year to come out of his contract mm. and then he becomes a free agent. So um, there should be some interest there. John Ralph and the Herald Sun says that they're already... I'm pretty confident that they'll lock McCluggage to an extension in the next month or so. So that's the vital thing for them is keeping this group together.
0: I think that I love the Tom Duday piece. I actually think from a like-for-like perspective, he is Marcus Adams. He is that uh, sort of, you know, that mid-sized defender that Ryan Lester has stepped into the breach beautifully and filled the hole for. Um, So I I think Tom Duday, if if he can make the switch, if they can come to a terms, I think he'd be a really nice piece. He's only 26 years of age. Um, And as much as Ryan Leicester's had a a year out of the box, career best year, new two-year deal, he's 31 years of age. Um, He'll be 32 next year, bringing in a 26-year-old Tom Duda, Not the worst thing that this club can do, especially when you talk about that midfield group that is so young and is coming into its prime rather than you know um, dipping out the back end of it. So I love Tom Duda if they can get a hold of him. Agreed. There's not actually a lot. They need to change or need to get right or um, make, you know, they just, it's almost the, the hardest thing for this group and this club and this team to do right now is to to borrow a term from the Philadelphia 76ers in the NBA to trust the process. They need to trust the process that's got them here and and just maybe fine tune a couple of things and, and hope that a couple of the players who, I wouldn't say got stage fright, but uh, Maybe got a little overawed by the speed and the intensity of a grand final. Come good next year if they can get back there. You know, I don't think Cam Rayner had his had his greatest game. I think even Lockie Neal would probably be a bit flat on his output. But it's a grand final, and only one team walks away a winner. So look, all in all, this is where we thought they had to get to, and they did. I think this team's got a premiership in them, at least a premiership in them. I, I really think this is one of the best lists, if not the best list, uh, going into next season.
1: Yeah, completely agree. Because I look at even Collingwood and I don't see, I mean, it was a great win, let's take, and a great, amazing season. Let's take nothing away from them. They'll be up there again next year, but mm. I don't see a dynasty team. I don't see no. uh, a Richmond or a Hawthorne or a Geelong of the past. Still a quality team, but they've got some older guys. They've got, uh, you know, Penelbury, Adams, Jeremy Howe. I think they had uh,
0: nine the players Fox. over 30 years of age in that grand final.
1: So, you know, can they... Is the hunger there to come back next year from that group? That's not easy to replace. Obviously, they've got some younger superstars. Nick Dacos mm. is a phenomenally balanced player. He is like, you know, a clone of of um, Scott Pendlebury. Uh, and then Darcy Moore, who didn't have a great grand final, but played through injury, still, you know, relatively young. So, but in terms of the Lions list, they've got a core cool group that there are more reasons to think they can get better rather than recede in, in their form. Um, you know, McCluggage, Rayner, Berry... Still really young. Jack Payne's still in his early 20s. So um, there's a And, and Hipwood as well. There's still a huge scope to think that with the amount of home games, 12 home games at the Gabba, they only need to win a few away games. They'll get top four. They'll be there again. So mm. I don't see this grand final, although it's a really tough loss to take as being hugely scarring that it could bleed into next year.
0: And then the other thing, other there's another Ashcroft on the way. Levi Ashcroft, uh, not eligible this
1: draft. It's next year's draft, I believe. Yeah, he's um, played in 17. So, yeah, the 2024 draft next year, played in the futures game and lit that up, 26 disposals and, um, you know, clearances and kicked a goal, I think. So uh, that's huge. And then Will coming back will be like a a new recruit Mm. midway through next year. So the future is really bright from the players they've got um, coming in. And Kadeen Coleman, again, as you said, 13 disposals, in the first term alone, and and his brother Blake, you know, there's, uh, again, like, there's your half-back line. He, Wilmot, and McKenna for the next best part of a decade.
0: It's, it's exciting stuff for the Lions. Look, there's, you know, there's a bit of a down downbeat on the pod today because of the loss and the result, but the reality is it's only one team walks away every year as as the premiers this year. It's Collingwood, and, and we are bullish that next year the Lions can get back there to compete again at the very least. The other big bit of news is that Dan Rich has signed a new deal, Brett. Has he? Yep. Oh, not with the Brisbane with the Lions. Melbourne? Not with the Brisbane Lions. No, no, no. <laughs> with with the Noosa Tigers.
1: Oh, he's going to play local footy. I yes. think Mitch Robertson had a few games at the local level last year.
0: Dan Rich has signed a deal uh, to uh, to join the Noosa Tigers. Um, wow. He'll be linking up with uh, Big Louie, Matt Lewenberger, up in up in uh-huh. Noosa. Um, not a terrible, yeah. terrible place to uh who's the Maddie Lewenberger is the coach. Um and yeah. so Dan Rich is gonna take his his booming left foot up up to the sunny coast.
1: Well, I mean on those smaller suburban grounds he could almost kick a goal from full back from a behind. Wow, um, but that's great giving back to the the local game like that, and I assume he'd still be involved with the Dolphins as their kicking coach, mm. working with their halves. So um yeah, you know, it would have been a heartbreak, story if they won the, the premiership. But he seemed to take it. Really well in terms of you know the um the demotion to the VFL and then the injury and all that sort of thing. So you yeah, say you be, say uh,
0: giving back to the local game. I'm sure he's probably taking some money for it too, Brett.
1: <laughs> yeah, look, look, I'm sure in Noosa there's there's probably a little bit of money going into that club. So I've yeah, sure
0: I've heard they're doing doing paying money. him by the I've heard it they're paying him by the meters gained and that he's just gonna <laughs> just gonna roost torps from the back pocket all day.
1: There'll be no kicking sideways or backwards then. <laughs>
0: Uh, all right, there it is. We're putting a wrap. We're putting a bow on uh, the Queensland huddle for 2023. It's been one hell of a ride. 2024 is on the way. Uh, and frankly, Brett, I know you're not meant to make... You're typically meant to save your predictions for the first show back for a new season, but I'm prepared to make one now. We will have two Queensland sides in the AFL finals next year. I think the Gold Coast Suns with Damien Harburg at the helm will be the big improvers. And I think... The Lions will be back in the grand final next year. I'm prepared to make those two statements right now.
1: I love it. The rising suns and um, the the, uh, the pride of the Lions will get them back to the finals. And let's hope to a, a premiership next year. Love the prediction and certainly not completely outrageous. That's for sure.
0: All right, Brett Thomas, you go away, enjoy your off season, enjoy your time off, do all the little things though. Make sure you don't come back in the fat club.
1: I, I've, I've loved talking footy with you every week on the Queensland huddle and to our uh, listeners as well. It's been a a great year and I reckon bigger and better to come next year.
0: All right. Brett Thomas, until 2024, we're signing off from the Queensland Huddle.